Blog Talk Radio. Conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, 
I want you guys to understand at the end of the day, there's no conspiracy to understand when these people keep playing the exact same games and you got these dumb black people who keep reciting the same dumb stuff that's going on. So we're going to talk about that today as well. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to Rad Radio, you know ain't no bootlicking going on on this radio. We ain't kissing nobody's ass. We didn't do it in 2014, we didn't do it in 2013, and we damn sure ain't doing it in 2015. So if you're looking for mainstream, uh, the mainstream jargon, this ain't the show for you. So I'll tell you right away, just go ahead and log off, go and fly a kite, do something productive with your time today, because today is not the day to call in bootlicking. Uh, we also are going to talk about the Brothers Bill Challenge, and this is a challenge that's very dear to my heart. It's something, you know, that we are doing and we're trying to invite other brothers and sisters around the country to do it, but mainly brothers. Uh, And the reason why I say mainly brothers is because as a man, I can't never speak for what women are doing or aren't doing. And I know a lot of sisters always feel like brothers are trying to leave them out of the fold. But it's kind of hard these days to know which way a lot of sisters are leaning. And in the end, we want everybody to come together as one, be productive, work, talk, chat, the whole nine. Let's build something for our people. This was inspired by my brothers, my circle of brothers, getting together uh, for birthdays, getting together uh, for, um, you know, just going out to breakfast, taking walks, and just building and talking about our circumstance as a people. <clears throat> we talk about so many things from actual community building to culture, racism, white supremacy. We talk about we talk about economics. We talk about health. We talk about wealth. We talk about black on black crime. Uh, music, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's jazz, whether it's R&B, soul. Uh, we talk about so many things, and we we just call it building. It's not to tear anybody down. It's not to um, take anything away from what people have contributed to our people. It's just building, as, as we like to call it. It's called a build, build you up. So we're challenging, uh, brothers and sisters, so I'll talk about that a little bit later how you'll be able to see me as well as some of our other uh, frequent guests will be televised. This will be televised here inside of the Twin Cities, and we'll also have a website set up to where you'll be able to see our build as well as builds from other brothers and sisters around the country. So it's very important um, that we, we, we talk about that later. So I want to talk about that. But let's hop right on into this SAE uh, scandal because here's the thing. Mr. Thomas Berry is not shocked anytime I hear whites on video caught saying or doing anything racist. Let me tell you why. Because in this country, it has they've always had shield from the media to do what it is that they want to do. They do it, the media blames the victims. Let me give you a prime example. 
SAE scandal, they said, you know, the only way you get a, get a nigga in here is hanging by a tree. You flip on to Morning Joe on MSNBC, the supposed play-it-forward liberal station, and what are they talking about? They're blaming hip-hop. Yeah, just blame rap. See, if you rappers weren't saying niggas so much, white people wouldn't be talking about hanging niggas from a tree. Yeah, that's what they said. I didn't make that up. Then take a look on your timeline, your Facebook groups, and the conversations you've had inside of those groups and things of that nature. And once again, conversation is, well, If black people just stop saying the word nigger, white folks will stop saying the word nigger. It's a phenomenon that is amazing to me because the media has done such a great job of giving cover that black people are now giving white folks cover. It's almost like saying... And you hear this all the time when you talk about slavery. Well, it was black slave owners too. All right. So we got two black slave owners. Who was the one illustrating slavery? Who had the ships to bring the slaves across the transatlantic ocean? We never talk about the ship owners. We never ask. Well, who was in charge of getting these slaves to the Caribbean, to the Virgin Islands, to Haiti, to Puerto Rico, to South America, to North America? Who was in charge? It's just some old victim blaming because, you know, once you say, once you say black people do do it too, or black folks, or one black person has done it, that means that all black people do it. So the victim blaming goes like this. See, there'll never be a nigger inside of SAE unless he's hanging from a tree. Well, if Easy e would have never said he was a nigger with an attitude, white folks, white young people, would never say the N-word. Excuse me, those who believe that. When has white people ever needed permission? Ever. I just want to know. When has white people ever needed permission to talk about blacks or any other group in a derogatory fashion? Please let me know. Matter of fact, men's class, race in America. I would challenge anybody who blame hip-hop, movies, or anything else to point out if you think stop saying the word nigger is going to change whites' minds about you. Before the word nigger was ever invented or turned into a slave, how was whites feeling about you? Hmm? Don't think too hard. 
Don't bust a blood vessel. Don't have an aneurysm. I want you to think about this because you got to stop the victim blaming. We got to stop that. See, when you do something wrong, and this is what we tell our children, but we don't seem to tell this to the so-called dominant culture. When you do something wrong, you are supposed to fess up and take ownership for your behavior. If I go rob a liquor store today, I can't blame that on Spice One because in 1993 he made a song rapping about robbing a liquor store. The judge don't want to hear it. And I'm inclined, like the judge, to not want to hear these Morning Joe, Mika Brzezinski, Joe Scarborough, and the rest of the clowns on his show blame hip-hop for the actions of these bratty, spoiled kids on campus. They feel this way because their middle-class to rich fathers and mothers sat at home and said these things. Before somebody come out with this letter uh, that they'll read, you know, talking about how the mom, you know, was appalled and she doesn't know where her sons and daughters got this from. See, that's the one thing about kids that I know. A child can see you do something, and they don't need you to say much. See, they don't need you to say nigger or nigger. They can tell how you treat people. If you're treating people in a white supremacist fashion, they know. They can translate that. It's like the documentary on blue-eyed, brown-eyed, right? Teacher walks up, tells one group of kids, hey, if you got brown eyes, you're superior. You got blue eyes, you're inferior. And see how they treated each other during that day. Matter of hours, the brown-eyed kids was just, yeah, they was tripping out, flipping out. That's what this is. All you got to do is tell these kids that they're better, they're superior. Well, why do we have everything? Well, we have it because we work harder. Every election, you hear this about this blue-collar, hard-working, white, middle-class person. You ever heard anything about a blue-collar, hard-working black person? Hmm? You ever heard that on MSNBC? Whether it's Morning Joe or Hardball with Chris Matthews, do they talk like that? Don't blame the white kids for getting drunk and telling what they've heard and see. Now, I'm not giving these kids cover whatsoever. But I wanted to talk about this scandal. I want people to call in. Uh, 347-826-9600. Press option one. I want people to call in and tell me what you think about this scandal, because to me, I'm I'm just in the mood about this scandal where I'm like, look, I'm not shocked by what these kids said. I'm not shocked. What I'm shocked about is the fact that how when white kids get caught doing something they don't have no business doing, black children, black folks in general, get blamed. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were talking about hanging us from trees. Haven't heard a rap song yet. Talking about, well, man, I'm going to hang you from a tree. If you got a such song, Bill Maher, I mean not Bill Maher, I'm sorry, Joe Scalbro, play the lyrics. 
I want you to play the lyrics. I want to hear these lyrics that is describing these rappers talking about hanging niggas from trees. And while you're doing that, I'm going to play a little bit of James Brown in between the break. I'll be right back. Bush Jr. 
and President Obama? Where Where is the values that we have? Where is our principles at? Where is our integrity at? You don't be having nobody talking about you representing a man of peace and you're blowing up babies with drones. What kind of crazy mess is that? What kind of hypocritical, ridiculous mess is that? And when you really look deep into that, then you get to this SAE saga, and then you see both sides blaming black folks, blaming rappers. <clears throat> I like boys. I like uh, Doctor uh, Boyce Watkins, but I'm sorry, brother. When you equivocate a brother rapping about the stuff that he sees in his community, whether you feel like he's glorifying it or what have you, how dare you 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 uh, justify that and compare that to somebody? Who is pretty much out here lynching folks or killing people? There's plenty of people I know who've listened to gangster rap and they ain't went out and killed nobody. Matter of fact, some of those same people running Fortune 500 companies and they're black folks. Some people are actually giving back to their communities, and that's some of the music, the only music they listen to. So because that's not your cup of tea. And maybe you grew up off disco or soul music. And and correct me if I'm wrong, for the people, the black folks is always pointing their fingers at at uh what uh what the rappers are doing. Let me know when rappers start hitting up Kickstarter asking for sixty five million dollars for planes. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know when the next saga is about a rapper molesting the boys in his choir. Let me know. I'll be interested to hear that. Because all these people with this so-called morality, they can't never seem to do anything right when nobody's looking. They're always stealing somebody's money, raping somebody's kid. And these are the people y'all keep on throwing up to us as respectable people. They're not. You mad at the rappers for saying the word nigga? What about the black exploitation movies? Before I heard an Easy E record, before what Easy E record, I saw Petey Wheat Strong, I saw Superfly, I saw the Mac, I saw all these movies. But yet you're telling me that no, no, the problem started when these hip hop guys started rapping. Come on, man. We don't use common sense no more. And I'm not trying to justify the word. You're not you're not going to get no justification from me off the word. But what you're not going to get me doing is grandstanding on my people and constantly, you know, talking down on my folks every time something happens. I have no time for that. I, I have no time for the grandstanding. If somebody goes uh, and blows up the black church, I'm not blaming the Christians in the black church. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. They have a right to praise whoever they want to praise, whether I believe or don't believe. But we have to stop this whole moral compass thing when somebody attacks one of us. You want to know how white folks got what they got? They stuck together. 
I got people like Jason Whitlock. I want to read this. I just got done playing James Brown, Black and Proud. But this is brother here. He ain't proud about nothing. I want you to hear this. It's dated, uh, what day was this? Uh, March 11, America's Race Relations Regression. The racial tension at the University of Oklahoma paints the latest picture of the trouble brewed by 50 years of backlash to Martin Luther King's Jr.'s Courageous We Shall Overcome movement. Research and cell phone videos are debunking the notion that white millennials are less racist than previous generations. A busload of drunken Oklahoma fraternity members got Riley Coopered. Riley Cooper, if you don't know, is the wide receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles who cowardly called a brother who was working security a nigger and threatened to whoop his ass while he was with the white folks at a, I think it was a Kenny Chesney concert. He, the brother was outnumbered, so you know how the cowardly stuff goes. He's ready to lynch him. Uh, someone secretly recorded them singing. There will never be a nigger in SAE. The short video so disturbed the campus that Bob Stoops canceled football practice and joined his players in public protest. <clears throat> and the school's president immediately kicked the frat off campus and expelled two students. More troubling than the video is the data political Sean McElwee used to pen an enlightening piece on Monday that argued millenniums are not nearly as tolerant as they think they are. His closing paragraph warned that recent Supreme Court decisions that strike against civil rights gains based on Chief Justice John Roberts' view opposed racial racial colorblind America foreshadowed a bleak future. This is disturbing for the future of race in America. Let me explain something to you. Race in America has always been doomed. Reason being, white folks and black folks who are in denial. Not all black folks, not all white folks. Some folks want to have a true conversation. Some of us just want to put our heads in the sand and hope that somebody comes out of the sky and saves us all, aliens, preferably for many of you. The robber's vision of radical colorblindness has irreparably harmed racial progress. If young Americans buy into his vision of a colorblind society, and a large literature suggests they do, white America and black America will diverge further, creating a permanent underclass in which people of color are denied equitable access to the American dream. We're headed in the wrong direction. It's not just white millenniums. The half-century of unrelenting attack on Dr. King's dignified nonviolent strategy to circumvent white supremacy swept up black millenniums, too. You can see that in Oklahoma. There was a second video intentionally filmed by Oklahoma starting linebacker Eric Stryker. Now, let me just go back and say this. Notice with Whitlock here, and Whitlock is, 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 is to me, Brilliant at writing sometimes, but he's a major grandstanding, and in Rant Radio, we, he's a bootlicker. I just got to call it how I see it, and he sells out every time. Why are you naming this young brother's name? There's no mention of the guy, the two students' names who were kicked out, but he wanted to make sure that you know that Eric Stryker <coughs> made a video that perfectly illustrated where we are in America. The shirtless and fuming striker who is black was evidently so shocked to learn that his white peers were bigoted that he answered their intolerance with the intolerant profanity-laced rant. 
I'm so MF and furious right now. SAE just effed it up for all of you effing white fraternities. If all of you female dogs, F you phony as fraud as female dogs. Striker is the toast of the media at the moment. He's a scholarship football player at a major university. He's an ambassador. He's standing on the shoulders of Jackie Robinson, who endured for worse than a short video clip of drunken kids singing a racist song. His error does not equal the SAEs, but it's a just it's a mistake nonetheless. A lapse in judgment that undermines his claims of hurt. Strikers apologized for his profanity but says he stands by the substance of his comments. What substance? He advanced no cause. He unwittingly pandered to the no justice, no peace crowd that has rejected Dr. King's strategy as passionately as the right wing. We're moving dangerously close to President Barack Obama being the period at the end of Dr. King's dream sentence. President Obama is a civil rights baby, a seed planted by a generation of Americans willing to sacrifice their lives for the idea of racial equality. For 50 years, we've lived off the fruits of their sacrifice. For 50 years, we have inched further and further away from strategies and principles that embrace to win our freedom. Our history has been so distorted and perverted that feel-good rhetoric, Malcolm X, has been granted equality with a strategy as sacrifice, Dr. King's. I write that having read the autobiography of Malcolm X a half dozen times, X's story is truly inspiring, but the truth is Elijah Muhammad built and organized a racially fall religion that transformed Malcolm Little from a criminal to an order. It's foolish to celebrate the fruit and ignore the tree. And he says a lot of other stuff. And I, I want you guys to go on and read this. This is what he says. Uh, millennials and their thought leaders lambast Obama and their older African-American leaders for practicing respectability politics. Whenever they remind young people they have a responsibility to carry and present themselves in a respectable manner. Dr. King and his supporters frequently wore suits and ties to their police-sanctioned massacres. They answered hostility and hatred with dignity and love. Their strategy was not flawed or ineffective. The flaws and failures are in the half century of follow-up by black leaders and the outright assault on African-American equality by the right wing. The impact of that failure and assault is manifesting itself into a generation of young people born into Ronald Reagan's and NWA's America. Respect for oneself and others is optional, and respect for oneself and others is seen as a sign of weakness. Reagan and Easy e raised and inspired the selfie generation. Now I want to stop right there, and I want you to go to ESPN. You can look it up. I don't want to read any more of this garbage because I just wanted to point this out. It's, it's the America's race relations regression. I wanted to point this out because I want to tell you all, that's the problem on our side of the fence. We talked about Morning Joe before the break. Now we want to talk about the Whitlocks of the world. The major flaw with that is that he's blaming this the easy e generation. I, I, I want to just separate something real quick. The Easy E, the kids that grew up listening to Easy E like myself, we're Generation X. We're not millennials. He knows that. He's a Generation X or two. He also knows that many of the Generation Xers 
grew up, and in the in the nineteen nineties, we watched the movie X. A lot of us was inspired to go back and research Malcolm X. Do a lot of us live and stand on the principles of Malcolm? No, we do not. But let me go a step further and say something to you. Go back and do the research of Dr. These so-called people who say that they keep talking, oh, the I have a dream speech, this, that, and the third. Let me ask you a question. Why did Dr. King have to give the I have a dream speech? Ask the people who say they were alive, they follow Dr. King, they know Dr. King. Ask them why. Next time you see one of them and they talk about Dr. King, ask, why did he have to give the speech? Do you know why he had to give the I have the dream speech? Do you know that that wasn't his original speech? Do you know that? And see what they say. Believe it or not, you can go do your research on Dr. King. <clears throat> the people who organized the March on Washington, they purposely allowed Dr. King to go on last. In the video, it shows as if there's a lot of people out there. Me and Brother Adrian Mack was having this conversation on Saturday. They put Dr. King, they buried him at the back of the program. Not only did they do that, they told Dr. King he could not give his original speech. It took Mahalia Jackson to yell out, Martin, tell them about your dream. He freestyled that whole speech. Dr. King wanted to talk about some other injustices. See, when people talk about following people, you really need to follow them. Dr. King was talking about racial inequality. He was talking about reparations. How many people from that generation do you hear talk about reparations? Hardly ever mentioned. They think that's a Malcolm X thing. Malcolm never talked about reparations. Dr. King talked about this country and the war machine. That wasn't Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm talked about the war machine too. But Dr. King, Dr. King was anti-war. Don't say President Obama is marking the end of what Dr. King stood for. Don't say that. If you're going to say it with Locke and the rest of you, keep it straight. And if you don't know what you're talking about, just shut up. We got too many black pacifists who say they know things that they have never researched themselves. As a, as a, a brother once told me, he said, look, man, <clears throat> I don't want to hear you talking about Connie Hawkins playing basketball when you wasn't even born when the Hawk was playing. Basketball wasn't even televised. And I told the brother, you know what? You're right. I can't talk about Connie Hawkins. You can tell me. I can look at the stats. I can look at some of the old film, but I don't know. But I'm I'm shocked that we have so many brothers and sisters who were alive during Dr. King and Malcolm's time on this earth. And they all got selective amnesia. Don't blame Easy E for what the millennials of today are doing. Eric Wright was an entrepreneur. Did he have the kind of music that you want your grandmother uh, to listen to? No. Would you want your mother listening to it? No. 
Would you be comfortable with your children listening to it? I'd say no. But at the same time, he never rapped about hanging black folks from a tree. At the same time, he never hung a black person from a tree. And don't say you won't equate those with the same thing and then two paragraphs down equate them with the same thing. This is the problem that we have in our community. I shouldn't say our community. I I told you guys in the beginning of the year I'm done saying that because black folks don't have a community. We've lost that. We've lost that because we're selfish, and that selfishness has nothing to do with hip-hop. That selfishness, go back and listen to Malcolm X's Ballad of the Bullet, since he thinks it's just rhetoric. And Malcolm talked about the dollar. Black folks chase the dollar. You know why hip-hop is so bad? Since all these talking heads want to blame it. Blame the black radio programmers in the 80s who refused to play the music and let the white radio stations get it, get the ad dollars, pump that money into the white corporations or the record labels. Record labels started signing brothers to deals. Go back and look at the original hip-hop records in the 80s and late, early 80s to late 80s, early 90s, and see how they were all independent labels. Once Top 40 started getting involved, we lost control. Then we then a rumor went out that whites bought more hip hop than blacks. The black radio stations went for that. <clears throat> they stuck with the R and B format. Never mind what the kids were doing. Never mind where the profits were going. And we lost our music. Want to be mad? Be mad at them. As far as I'm concerned. Gangster rap don't exist anymore, A, and neither does the public enemies of the world. Where's that movement? Because while they keep telling you about gangster rap, at the same time NWA was selling, public enemy was selling. Now, how is it possible in 1991, 92, 93, we were able to listen to the public enemies, the Boogie Down Productions, the X-Clans, these are all political activist hip-hop groups. These are all positive hip-hop groups. We were listening in when we were listening to N.W.A. Ask anybody who was listening to the Ghetto Boys, N.W.A., Easy e and ask them, did they have a Public Enemy tape? Did they have an X-Clan tape? So don't come to me talking about what somebody on a record got us doing. Because I don't hear you blaming Hollywood. You wasn't blaming Clint Eastwood for all those Dirty Harry movies where he was calling us niggers in the movies, gunning us down. You don't blame Charles Bronson, and you don't blame Chuck Norris. And with that, a word from James Baldwin, and I'll be back. Well, I know this, and anyone who's ever tried to live knows this. So what you say about somebody else, you know, anybody else, reveals you. What I think of you as being is dictated by my own necessities, my own psychology, my own um, fears and desires. 
I'm not describing you when I talk about you. I'm describing me. Now, here in this country, we've got something called a nigger. It doesn't, in such terms, I beg you to remark, exist in any other country in the world. We have invented the nigger. I didn't invent him. White people invented him. I've always known, I had to know by the time I was 17 years old. What you were describing was not me, and what you were afraid of was not me. It had to be something else. You had invented it, so it had to be something you were afraid of. And you invested me with it. Now, that's so. No matter what you've done to me, I can say to you this, and I mean it. I know you can't do any more, and I've got nothing to lose. And I know, and I've always known, you know, and really always, that's part of the agony. I've always known that I'm not a nigger. But if I am not the nigger, and if it's true that your invention reveals you, then who is the nigger? I am not the victim here. I know one thing from another. I know I'm going to born and I'm going to be, you know, I was born, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And the only way you get through a life is to know the worst things about it. I know that a person is more important than anything else. Anything else. I learned this because I've had to learn it. But you still think, I gather, that the nigger is necessary. Well, it's unnecessary to me, so it must be necessary to you. I give you your problem back. You're the nigger, baby, isn't me? Take This Hammer, filmed with James Baldwin in the spring of 1960. And that was James Baldwin, who was saying that whites are the niggers, or the niggers. And that's a powerful clip if you really listen to what the brother's saying. So when the Joseph Scarborough goes so far to say that SAE became familiar with the N-word through hip-hop, as opposed to, say, the generation of redneck ratchety passed down to them through Confederacy-loving brotherhood, I want you to think hard about that. Who created that word? Because the way society has laced it now, whether it's the black narrative or the white narrative, it seems to be as if black people are the ones who created that word. And when whites use it, whether it's a Don Imus who's talking about nappy-headed hoes or Rush Limbaugh saying disrespectful things about Michelle Obama or a politician calling Barack Obama Puff the Magic Negro, the responsibility for the actions of this white supremacist mindset always falls at the feet of the black victim. Why is that? Why is that okay? Why is that acceptable? And who said it was acceptable and okay? These are direct questions that we need to ask. These are hard-line questions we need to press forward with. We need not to be apologetic for our brothers and sisters who use the word nigger. Because after all, they didn't create the nigger condition. They didn't create the ghettos. They didn't create the prisons. 
they did not create. The legislation that has constantly held us back. So when you see young people in fraternities and sororities who are white and they're having these songs that they're singing about the only way you can get is if you're hanging on a tree. Think about that when you look at a, look at statistics like the ones in Minneapolis and you ask yourself, why is the disparity so wide? Why? After all, I thought all we had to do was just sleep with white folks and we would get everything we want. That's what so many of you have been preaching to us lately. Just get in the bed with them. Everything will be fine. Just go to church with them. Everything will be fine. Just vote and everything will be fine. I guess it ain't so fine after all. If you uh, want to talk about this subject further, 347-826-9600. I want to shift gears. I want to go straight to Ferguson. Ferguson is a hotbed. I, 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 I want to say if I could give an MVP to a town, I would give it to the people, the protesters of Ferguson. The Mike Brown case has come and gone. Darren Wilson will not be charged, but the people are active. They are fighting. They are standing tall. They are not letting this go. And so many times you see with our people, when things like that happen, and we just let it go. A year after Trayvon Martin's case, there wasn't people still uh, holding up the legislation in Florida. People wasn't talking about boycotting Florida either. That was not the talk. So it shows you that the citizens in Ferguson, they are consistent, they are persistent, and they are doing what they have to do to get some attention down there. With that being said, if you believe that Jeff Williams shot those two cops, I got some beachfront property in Brooklyn Center to sell you. We should be tired of these patsies. Every time you see the people riding, I shouldn't even say riding, because I, I haven't seen a real ride inside of Florida, I mean inside of Ferguson. I haven't seen a real ride inside of uh, even New York during the Eric Gardner situation. I just saw people protesting. I see the police riling people up when they're spraying them, um, shooting the rubber bullets and things of that nature, but I don't see people really truly protesting. I mean not protesting, but rioting. I see people standing up. I saw the video with the, with the police who burnt down um, the, the uh, auto zone in Ferguson. It wasn't the people. So I want to. I, I just want to point out and just think about this: how cookie cutter things work out. So Eric Gardner case inside of New York. You have all these people who are upset, protesting about this brother's death and the police not being charged. Next thing you know, while protest is heavy. The media coverage is large. Two cops end up dead in a squad car. Some young man drives from Baltimore 
after shooting his girlfriend multiple times and goes to New York. And he puts on <clears throat> an Instagram page that he just created minutes or moments before the shooting. I'm going to kill two pigs or let two pigs fly or whatever. And he gets killed. No court case, no nothing. All of a sudden, now the rally stops. All of a sudden, it's not polite to protest during the funerals of these two cops. Question. Who wins by this? And and I and I'm serious about this because I know we are like we don't want to hear the so called conspiracy theories. That's what we like to say. Anybody in the back room coming up with a plan is conspiring, whether you call it a business meeting, whether you call it a uh, church meeting, whether you call it a family meeting, hey, that's conspiring. Anything that's any meeting in secret. This in Ferguson stinks the same way as it stunk in New York. Because the people in Ferguson, they were making traction. They were like, wait a minute, hold on a second. You're telling me that the, on the backs of the police are using, were using the citizens to raise funds, to raise capital for the city by constantly arresting them for petty crimes, arresting black citizens, people who didn't have the resources to get proper lawyers to do the research to find out that a lot of these crimes were not crimes at all. Keeping you in the system, keeping you locked up, keeping you stuck in a rut for such a long time, and now they're upset because they got their third eye open. They say, wait a minute, we see the game. We don't like the game. Media's covering it. Down there talking about it again. And now you see this 20-year-old boy by the name of Jeff Williams shows up, shoot two cops. Well, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. I personally am not buying this. Brother Rodney said the shot was not impossible, but it would be tough. See, I, I believe that too, brother. What I believe, to be honest with you, I, I just don't believe it was him. You'll find out somewhere down the line he had some undiagnosed mental illness, or he was already <clears throat> he was already in trouble. Some silly. He might not even make it to trial. He might be found dead inside of Missouri jail. Who knows? But it's the same old same. I see people online calling his brother stupid and dumb. And I'm thinking to myself, he's a patsy. How you know he pulled the trigger? We should be tired of this by now. We should be tired of elections like the Scott Walker election where everybody knows he's a crook. All the citizens inside of Wisconsin is tired of this guy, but he keeps winning. Duh. 
It ain't the ballots rigged. It's the count machines are rigged. When are we going to start waking up to understanding this is how they rigged the game, see? Now you're more concerned about these cops they want you to be than the situation that's going on with the actual people there. Now you're more concerned with blaming this so-called shooter. You don't know if he shot the guy or not, but he's stupid. He's guilty. Why? Because the white man told me so. I saw it on TV. They even had Don Lemon out there. You know, Don Lemon said, some of you is like the Bible. Don Lemon is not a credible source of news. At all. Neither CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. That's just fact. They're not credible. These people are making it up as they go. And they are upset with everybody. Brother Rodney said, then to hit two different targets that fast, either he was lucky, shooting at someone else, and is the worst shot, or it wasn't him. I am taking it wasn't him. Most people with common sense who sit back and see this pattern knows, no. You know, the biggest thing <clears throat> that I have problems with the 9-11 truthers is that they don't go deep enough on why 9-11 happened. Some say it's about the money. Some say it's about the oil. Some say, hey, we just wanted to go to war. I'm telling you, the rest of the world was at a meeting saying they was fed up. But you couldn't tell what was talked about on September 10th due to September the 11th. I want you to use that same logic in Ferguson. Are you going to be able to talk about Mike Brown as long as they're talking about the two cops that were shot. I don't recommend to anyone to go shooting cops unless you're protecting yourself. And I say, hey, you got to protect yourself, whether it's whoever it is. You got to protect your life. got to protect your family life. You got to make it home, whoever you are. Get home to your family. Uh, do it legit. Do it for the right reasons. So I'm not saying shoot a cop. But at the same time, I'm not buying this story. I know brothers in the hood who have been caught four cars deep, four pistols, one pistol apiece. Two cops pull them over, they put their hands up. Now you're going to tell me that this one kid shoots at shoots two cops, marksman style, And I'm supposed to believe it. Sorry, I can't. Maybe because I have known for a long time the foolishness of this country. Been knowing it since I was 18 years old. Before that, when I was 16. Some of you just are questioning things. It's better to be late than never. But question this. Ask why. Why now? Why now? Ask somebody who used to be in the military like Brother Rodney. Ask him. Ask. Do you think that's plausible? Or is he just a patsy? Is he just taking the rap 
because he can't afford an attorney to fight for him, to tell you that he might have a mental illness, to let you know that his mental faculties might not be there. This is the stuff that not just brothers, but even poor whites have been dealing with for a long time in this country. The King family, who who settled for one dollar with the American government for the death of Dr. King, didn't do it because James Earl Ray was a government hack. No, you talk to the King family, they'll tell you. They don't believe that James Earl Ray had anything to do with killing their their their, uh, their father. They don't believe that one bit. What they'll tell you is, hey, the government was in, had a hand in the death of our father. Well, if the, fa- if the if the government had a hand in the death of their father, who's James Earl Ray? He's a patsy. He's the guy that takes the fall. Three, four, seven. Eight two six ninety six hundred. Press option one if you want to talk. I'm telling you, I've, I've I've sat back and I've been watching and listening to our people talk, and I and, and I just have to shake my head. I do. I got more. I got more of my people worried about a damn TV show like Empire. And and if you're concerned about that, you got a right reason to be concerned. Those who are not concerned about anything, you need to keep an eye on this Ferguson situation. You think that's the only city that's using the courts? To keep money on his books? Using the police? Pulling people over? Writing tickets? Coming to some of these suburbs here in Minnesota, drive around in Robbinsdale. Drive around inside of Crystal if you're black. Drive around in Brooklyn Park if you're black. Look at the tickets. Look at the, the disparity in the tickets that we get as African Americans compared to whites. We'd be something like, in Crystal, black folks make up 33%. Over 90% of the tickets in this town. 90%. I have people who say, oh, I'm going to set up a barber shop in Crystal. Man, that's that's business suicide. Well, I'm going to set up a head. That's business suicide. I'm going to set up a restaurant. That's business suicide if you're black. Because I know. I don't need the data. I don't need the data because if you live around anywhere long enough, you'll figure it out. Just using your eyes and your common sense. This stuff is starting to get ridiculous. See, we're not working as are as is. Black men and women are income. I shared piece of the pie since 2006 has gone down. And then you pencil whooping us, if you will. If you play spades, you know what I'm talking about. Using the courts to write us for tickets. I got a ticket one night with my wife and my uh, brother. We're coming back from the movies. Cop pulls me over. He tells me, well, I didn't stop. 
I didn't come to a full stop and I kept going. I know I came to a full stop. Nobody understood in the car why I was pissed. I understand what they do. I know they use us to fill their coffers. And they know the jobs that we have. We can't take time off. We don't have the money to go to court every day and fight them. No, no, no. Those jobs belong to their cousins. They know we're not management. They know we're struggling. They know. But part of that is our problem. Part of that is our issue. And we'll talk about that in future shows. With that, let me take some calls here. I got a call. I know this call here. Hey, brother O, what's going on? <clears throat> what's going on, brother? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. Just getting my rant on. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good, man. I, I turned in late to the show, but I had to turn in. Try to be a man of my word. Um, I see that you've already discussed in depth uh, what's going on in Ferguson. And oh, I love yes. that you touched on the fact that it, Ferguson might be where the cameras are right now, but this is going on nationwide. It has been for quite some mm-hmm. time. And that while white supremacy is saying, hey, look at my right hand, the left hand is in our back pockets, not only mm-hmm. taking rights and violating them, but also grabbing the money. And we still, in 2015, are falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Yes, we are, brother. We got to do a lot better. I I definitely agree, brother. And let me ask you this, because you were in the military. Mm -hmm. You believe in this story about this this 20-year-old kid being a shooter? Nope. From what I gather, um, Mm -hmm. there seems to be a bunch of logistical flaws in how that possibly could have happened. And, And this is something that I'm always amazed about, not just when... Uh, black people consider the perpetrators, but when anybody is, I don't think people realize how much time, talent, execution, and preparation it takes to just to, to, to hit people accurately from any distance. It, it's mm. supposed to be five feet on somebody and miss. Mm. And that's true. That's the that. that don't see it coming. So a trained police officer, two of them? Nah. Nah. I, I don't believe it. But but you're right. We're never really trained to question why. Now I know this this is completely and totally unrelated uh, as far as it pertains to what's going on in Ferguson. But when you think about uh, the murder of Bit, you ever you ever thought back or ever seen uh, a still photo of the the, the uh, entry to the door where the bullets hit? You ever notice how tight the shot groups are? Right. Man, ain't, ain't nobody from down across the street did that. It, it takes time to execute shots in a moving vehicle on a, on, a, on a stationary target and get that many rounds in that small of a circle. Mm. That ain't lucky. Not at all. It's not lucky. But, not again, a lot of us, uh, we, we, we take the Hollywood version of what shooting a gun is. We take the YouTube version. A lot of people that claim they shot a gun have never shot one or don't understand the logistics of one. If you're shooting at something from 30 yards away and you jerk your, your, your hand just an a, a inch, just two millimeters from, from, the, from the gun making your hand, but that two, three millimeters at the end of that barrel is two mm-hmm. or three feet at the end of that 30 yards. 
So you start talking about shooting people or shooting moving targets and being accurate with kill shots, a lot harder than people think. So I, I, I argue with you. This screen's catchy. And, and that's why I, I'm just shocked by a lot of our responses to this. And And here's the thing. You know, when we sit up and we see the power of, you know, social media, some of the stuff that I hear people say, I'm like, you, you do realize that white folks see this and this is what they use for justification, right? It, it, it's almost embarrassing. And then when I see some of these media heads, it's, it's, it's shameful. It's shameful. This young brother, uh, Jeff Williams, whoever he is, this is when we need our top black lawyers to go down and fight for this young man. Not saying this young man is perfect, but we know he's a patsy. And we shouldn't be playing this game with the federal government, state governments, or anything else. We, You know, in New York, I'm not buying that whole thing with that brother killed those two cops. I am not shocked. That it was a, I think the one cop was Puerto Rican and the other cop or Dominican, and the other cop was yeah. an Asian cop. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not shocked by that. Some dirty, crooked white cops have no problems killing two two of not uh, 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 two cops that are, uh, they don't consider their own. Yeah, they might be all considered behind that blue wall, but like most things with white supremacy, whiteness normally gives you front seat. And that's the thing when I hear black folks talk about getting more black cops. See, what you don't get is once that cop put on that badge, he's no longer black. He's now part of the blue wall. He's now part of the blue fraternity. Most cops who still hold on to their blackness, ask them how they struggle to make rank. Ask them how they struggle to stay on the job safe. We just assume, oh, we just need more black cops. We just need a black president. We just need a black attorney general. We got a black attorney general. How many of these people who are gunning down these kids unarmed are going to jail? The Obama administration hyped people up for a year as if they were going to charge uh, this cop down in Ferguson. Where the charge is at? See, you ain't got to make charges when you stand on the Pettus Bridge and you play like you're standing for what Dr. King stands for. All you got to do is just play mm-hmm. with the people's emotions. And that's what they go for. Now, like my wife pointed out, why in the hell is they standing on a, on a bridge that's named after a, a, the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan? How come nobody never calls that out? That'll be the next radio show. Hey, brother, hold on one mm-hmm. second. We got we got another caller here. This this seems like a new call. I want you to stay on. Hey, caller, this is Rand Radio. Um, I'm uh, Thomas Berry. Hey, you got something you want to rant about? Hey, how you doing? This is uh this is our brother Ty from uh, D.C. Hey, brother Ty. How you uh, doing? How you doing? Hey, I'm all right. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm doing great. You know, one thing that I I feel I get upset about. I don't really get upset about it, but it always makes me kick something. And then I say, well, well, can't do nothing about it. Is the fact that a lot of us, maybe some of our youth, some of our older people, are very predictable. And like mm-hmm. you said, it is because of emotion. Because emotion, what emotion does is it gives other people a sense of your intention, and it also makes you consistent in what you do. 
So mm. when you're emotional, you gamble. You, you know, no matter what happens, whether right or wrong, you're so hyped up on emotion, you can't admit you were wrong. You have to continue with it even if it's a lie because you've invested so much. And so people know all they have to do is do something like call you the N-word or, you know, show up to a meeting with an I am Darren Wilson bracelet on, and they can get you mm-hmm. to do exactly what they want. Now, mm-hmm. having said that, um, I've told people about this, and, you know, some people have been reading, some people have not. But southern states are passing bills. Georgia passed a bill, whether or not it gets knocked down or not, that will consolidate all of their law enforcement and judiciary bodies, the bureaucracies, into one department. They'll still be oh, independent, wow. but they'll be able to hire as many employees as they want, and they can empower police powers to as many people as they want. And the heads oh, of these wow. departments can only be picked by the governor. Now, this bill was endorsed by members of Congress, the Senate from Georgia, but it's being passed by this Georgia state government. I don't know if it's going to actually pass and come into law, but the whole gist of it is is that they want to make sure, and it's under the guise the federal government is sponsoring it, that, yes, there are criminal problems in certain neighborhoods and certain areas. We need to keep a tighter lid on people who commit infractions and small crimes to make sure they don't revolve indoor. In other words, they actually have the power to call your job, say you get charged with a crime, and you get out on bail. You haven't even been convicted yet. You are being monitored by the same department as the parole board, and they can call your job, and if you don't show up to work, your your employer can actually report you, and they'll arrest you. Oh, wow. You don't show up to work. And the thing is, if you get a traffic ticket and they say they didn't send you a citation, instead of the normal procedure, you might find yourself in jail until they take care of the situation. So that's a lot of revenue generating there because they can hire as many people as they want and they got to bankroll this thing. Now, hopefully, the oh, people wow. will do something about it. But this has been this this type of idea is not new. It's been circulating in the South for a long time, and so I tell a lot of our young people, stop doing these stupid things on World Star Hip Hop and all this stuff. See, white people have not gotten outraged yet. Yeah, I just saw a video the other day of a girl in Indianapolis beating up a white girl and then went and beat up her five year old brother, all for World Star. Girl did nothing to her, and white folks haven't said anything. They're waiting. Because the tagline for every news story is savage. Savage. They don't want us in positions of institutional power, and they got to prove to the world that we don't know right from wrong. So they let you Mm. have your day. Mm. That's tough, man. That's tough. And you know what that lets you know? That while we're constantly playing this role, I I, I just want to call this out. Cause this is, and I love this brother's music, and and people say I don't support him enough. I love Common. That's one of my favorite rappers. But when you come mm-hmm. and say, if black people extend their hand and love the white people, and white people accepted that extended hand, racism would be over. I got to ask, brother, what head have you bumped? <laughs> this is this is why when I was a kid, I used to tell people. The, the, the neo-soul group ain't got nothing to do with that public enemy, X-Clan, BDP group. Don't go for those rappers. Don't go for those rappers. Because it all sounds positive until you start asking them brothers questions and, and, and going deeper, and you find out they really ain't got nothing to say behind it. 
we got to get out of this whole thing of extending this branch. And we have to start saying, we're going to at least first protect our own neck. Remember that song, Protect Your Neck? Yep. Yeah, we, 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 we need to protect our own necks here. We need to be organizing and mobilizing. And here's the thing. When we do have black folks who are in high places, whether it's in city hall, whether it's in corporations, if the, if the, if we need jobs, if we need capital, we need our people putting us in those positions. If we need houses, and you know it's programs set up to where families can buy houses, then what you need to do on your spare time, instead of hitting the, hitting up the nail shop, hitting up the barber shop or the golf course on weekends, you need to be sitting and holding trainings to teach your people how to go out and get this stuff. This is why we're falling behind. We're too busy worried about extending our hands, hoping that somebody's going to be nice to us. Nobody's going to play nice to us until we have a leg to stand on. And what you're saying, Brother Ty, with what's going down in Georgia, when they, that, that's clan politics right there. When, when these folks get to talking about, uh, when they get to talking about merging all these uh, departments, they know who's going to be in charge. They know who the, who, the, who the courts are going to be working with. And there ain't going to be folks who look like us. Yeah. And all these mergers, anytime you see any merger, whether it's homeland security, whatever, it, it means bad for black folks. That's not good. What do you think, Brother O, about what he said? No, he, he, he hit me in the head when he mentioned how they are. The term savage. I was reading a story not too long ago about a, a young sister. I think it was in New York at McDonald's across the street from a high school. They got attacked by four or five other females of the same age. Uh, they never really mentioned why the attack took place. Um, almost everybody was outraged that nobody did anything. Of course, it was videotaped, but nobody did anything to stop it. But the term they used to describe the five females was savage. Mm. And, and that, that narrative... Is, is being repeated in, in, in instances where it's not necessary. Um, in order to change the laws, a lot of times you got to change the words first and make it more feasible. And on a grand scale, that's taking place across this country. Uh, a lot of us don't get our news from the newspaper. A lot of us do see things online. Some of us still watch the news. But the biasness is at an all-time high. Uh, we're, we're in Minnesota. Where Adrian Peterson uh, pretty much gave his child a whooping. Uh, the term was used, not a switch, but he hit his child with a tree branch. And then all the, the African-American talking heads in the sports world ran with it. How could a big, huge NFL running back hit his child with a tree branch? It's all about the words. It's all within the word. So I agree with what he's saying, and that's something that we need to be very aware of. I'm a Georgia native. I'm a Georgia boy. I'm just a transplant up here. But to hear that my state, uh, with Atlanta being the quote-unquote beacon head of the New South, that to happen is the state food. i got to make some phone calls. Like, what y'all doing down there? Okay. That doesn't need to happen. And sometimes, a lot of times, man, we're not aware because, you know, when when they write a bill, they'll attach a rider to it like that, and you won't see it coming. But a lot of times we're so, as a people, on a different place 
that it can be right in the forefront and we just don't catch it. And I think mm-hmm. awareness and then reacting to that awareness, awareness, and, and like the brother said, not re- reacting from a place of emotion, but but after you put, put our collective thoughts and minds together and thinking about what we want to do first before we actually do it. You know, the the most shocking part about that HB 310 bill is that they can actually hire citizens and arm them. If a citizen is capable, is qualified to get armed, they can be hired right. under this pseudo-militia. But they also, and this is the most amazing part, they can get contractors. They are allowed to go and get contractors to deal with, quote-unquote, insurrection. Wow. So think about protests. So if you if if you protest and they feel like you a threat, they can bring in contractors. Usually there's a law that says you can't have so many police, you can't have as well. Now it's unlimited if it passed, and they can get contractors to come in. And any citizen who fits their criteria that they want to hire or empower by the government can get full police powers, not partial but full, to aid law enforcement. So they're pretty much. Uh, underhandedly, or overtly, depending on which way you look at it, legalizing the lynch mob. That's what it is. You could easily get a whole bunch of good old boys who don't have any uh, records, or at least nothing on the books that anybody knows about. Hire them, empower them, and have them do whatever, and then have the law cover it up. Or, or have mm. the law to say, hey, uh, Jed members legal. Mm. Yeah, this this is uh, man. You know, just this just lets you know that the constant reign of uncivility in this country is 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 about to be heavier. And the sad thing is that so many of our people have fell forward. Uh, you know, when we deal with these kind of issues and we seeing it every day it's a young man being gunned down and they don't like the fact once they're gunning to people actually the streets protest speak their discontentment with what's going on and now it's coming up with these laws to pretty much arrest those folks now I, I wasn't uh, airing, and I'm going to do a special show because I need to get people in Chicago on the show to talk about this. This reminds me of this this that jail that they got in Chicago. Brother Tyler, Brother O, have you heard about that jail where they're pretty much making people disappear in Chicago? If you show up to protest in Chicago, they have a jail, I believe it's on the west side of Chicago, could be wrong, um, where it's pretty much was the breeding I should say the breeding ground, but the training ground for Guantanamo Bay. And you can disappear wow. for Whoa. weeks, months at a time, off the books. And they are uh, raiding people's homes, picking people up off the streets. They said it's a running joke in Chicago. If, if a person, if a lawyer can't find his client, they know that the police got him at this unmarked site. They are beating people. They're detaining folks. And yet and still, President Obama's from Chicago. Yep. His former chief of staff. Huh? 
that that city, um, those cities and those counties, the way they got it set, well, they have the power because they're the last sovereign bodies before you get to a local government because municipalities right. don't have sovereign power. But they can charge you with treason. They can mm-hmm. also charge you with acts of terrorism. So if they want mm-hmm. to pass a bill and do something, they can hold you and say, oh, it's treason, it's terrorism. Mm. See? And we're, and, we're, and we're putting up with this, and nobody's talking about this. This, nope. this, is, this is the stuff that I talk about. You know, when I'm not on the air, when I'm not on the air, I want people to understand. It's normally because there's something going on with my family. Seriously. And I have been dealing with the situation with my father, who's in the hospital tonight. Hope he makes it through the night. I'm telling you, the one thing that makes me depressed about our people is what uh, the, the subject matter that we're talking about. We need it, we really need to come with it, and we shouldn't take our foot off the gas constantly. You should be talking about things that matter, and whether it's at home, whether it's at work, don't let nobody change the dial. Talk about things that mean something, because if you if you disappear in the middle of the night, you would want somebody coming and look for you. You want somebody worrying about you. You want somebody to fight for you. When we sit back and we say nothing and we act like these things don't exist and we start talking about things like empire and silly stuff like that, you know, I need to stop saying that because the empire conversation ain't silly. We should always care about how we're representative. But when we start letting people like Joe Scarborough, because see, then it will be a rap song. See, rappers are now blamed for this prison in Chicago. This is the kind of silly stuff. This is the season that we're in. And we have to stop saying, well, we be, well, we got a black man in the White House, and now everybody just hating him. No, they hated us before Obama got in the White House. Obama ain't the beginning of black people. He ain't. As much as I'm happy for the brother to have a position, I'm happy. I'm more happy for him to have the position and what he's doing with the position. But he's not the beginning of black folks. We've been had this problem with white supremacy long before President Obama was born, and it will happen long after the brother's president. He didn't do anything for our people as far as fighting white supremacy. If you believe other, well, hey, inbox me. Uh, you know, call into the show. We'll set up a special show, and me, you, and whoever else you know can debate it. But it's time for us to get serious. Uh, this Ferguson situation is scary. What's going down in Georgia is even scarier. And here's the thing. You know if it passes in Georgia, they'll do it in Wisconsin. If it passes in Wisconsin, they'll do it in Ohio. If it passes in Ohio, then soon it'll be out there inside of Arizona. And it'll just keep going. Because the conservatives are using the same playbook over and over and over again. It won't be long before you have what's going on in Michigan spreading the country. Y'all brothers know about what's going on in Michigan, right, with the control boards? Mm-hmm. Brothers know about that? Oh, man, in Michigan, man, it doesn't matter if you're a city council member. It doesn't even matter if you're a mayor. They have a person that's a city manager. And he has a board where they dictate how much the city will spend, when the city's going to spend it, how it's going to be spent. Democracy oh, yeah, is gone in Michigan. Familiar. Democracy is gone in Michigan. 
anybody in any anybody telling you just vote, man, listen, there's more Democrats in Michigan than it is Republicans. It ain't just voting. These elections are rigged. People don't want to call it out because everybody is on this quote unquote we don't like conspiracy theories. If you believe a machine is going to be able to give you accurate results, when we see we work with machines all the time and see how much they fail, we see how people can manipulate them all the time. You're a fool. Hell, I don't trust the NBA lotto. You think I'm about to trust some uh, some voting machines that's owned by politicians who are making their money off of it? Mm-hmm. These things are rigged, man. It seems like they're trying rigged. to consolidate. It seems like they're trying to consolidate government a little because if they make mm-hmm. it so that certain positions below the chief state position has to be chosen by the there chief state position then that takes away your ability to control your own life. You have to go crawl to the chief state position. And if the majority of people in your state are Republican or any other thing, it then becomes a race off. And if you're not voting or whatever, and they're already changing the dates and changing different criteria for you to be able to vote. Right. And, And just think about it like this. Ask yourself this question. In Wisconsin, if you know that all these people are upset with Scott Walker, these people voted for this man to get a recall. How come he won the general election? How did he win the recall? Wouldn't you be questioning the ballots? Wouldn't you be questioning the machines that they got these people voting? I guarantee you, in, in, in the majority of these elections, if you could change it and had a straight and have a straight-out vote, people questioning with the papers, this thing would, would, would definitely change. But the people are so silly. You listen to all these, these these juvenile arguments on television, these talking heads who keep on telling you enough so you can keep watching their show to keep their pockets fed. This is why the people have no information. Brother Rodney said, reconcile this with voting or not voting. How do we stop this without Bring it involved with the political system. What do we do to combat this? The only way to combat it, brother, is to uh, state out, uh, declare, and keep telling folks it's false. We don't trust it. And we used to be the voice of all of this. That's what black folks used to be. We used to be the moral compass of this country. When white folks was doing wrong, we were the ones who were standing up saying, you know what, that ain't right. You know what? We don't trust that. No, you need to get out of Vietnam. We were the main ones saying that. I know Eisenhower talked about the war machine and things like that, but we was the citizenry that was saying that these things wasn't right. We were the ones who were saying that. That we were the ones. Now I'm not saying that I, I'm, I'm for going back talking about what's right for this country more so for ourselves because I believe our biggest uh, problem, brother O and, and, and brother Ty, is that we never looked out for ourselves as much as we try to look out for this country. We've never yeah. looked out for ourselves as much. And that's true. We need to look that's out true. for ourselves. We need to be telling ourselves and telling our children, look, this is why I need you, son, to marry a black woman. 
This is why it's important for you to have a black family and establish this thing. This is why it's important for you to have these black babies. This is why it's important for you to go off and get a trade, go off and get an education and create a business. Not get a job, create a business. You know all your cousins, they probably ain't going to be as successful as you. Well, we need you to build this up so them brothers ain't starving. We don't want those brothers in jail. Those brothers can be working for you. They can be. Don't throw them to the wayside. That's what we need to be telling our children. Don't go start gangs. Go at the age of 14, 15, get in somewhere and create a business. Create legacy. Create things to make us stronger. Let's stop lying to each other, telling each other, oh, well, if you just vote, you can vote your problems away. The hell with that. They're they rigging that. They're rigging the vote. Yep. <laughs> it's true. No doubt. So you're telling people to run to something that's rigged, and then you ain't even telling them why it's rigged. And see, I, listen, I'm not trying to call nobody out. I don't want to call our people out. But listen, sisters, brothers, stop trying to get close to the power source. Some of us is just drunk. With you ever seen people who know they hate they know they hate George Bush, but couldn't wait to see him to shake his hand and smile and take a picture with him. Yeah. All these black folks, I never saw so many Negroes smile about George Bush until they see him. It's like being close to the sun. We got to stop this. We really do. We got to stop being groupies. And, and, and what, what Reebok say, life ain't a spectator sport. Let's get off yeah. the sidelines. Let's get in the game. Let's stop these folks pimping our children, coming up with these new school ways for schools. That's all structured around what the corporations want. Corporations don't want what's best for us. Never have, never will. Never will. We got to stop this mess. We got to come with it. I don't give a damn about your job. Don't tell me about your job, brother or sister. Seriously. And and with that, let me let me let me segue to this because I definitely wanted to talk about this. Uh, brother Tom, glad you called in. But you can stay on, because I want I want everybody to hear this. We are starting something here in the Twin Cities. I talked to Brother Rodney about this. Uh, we want brothers in Vegas to do it. I'm trying to get Brother Irvin down in Atlanta. Uh, we got Brother Rashad Wells inside of Gary as well as Chicago. He he navigates between both circles. We are doing something called the Brothers Build. Now, Brother O, uh, he's always with. He's one of my brothers. Uh, we're in our circle. We always have dinners uh, during brothers' uh, birthdays. Not only that, we also we always get together, get togethers, and we have bills. We are always talking about ways to better our people. None of us are PhDs. Well, I think we have one brother that's a master who has a master's and he's working on his PhD. But none of us are so uh, are none of these high-powered, uh, famous folk uh, who went to Harvard or Yale who are Ivy Leaguers. We're just common men. Who are trying to solve the common problem for black folks. And what we want to do is we want to issue this challenge. There's so many stigmas about African American men that we want to change. We want to issue this challenge to all brothers around the country. We want brothers to start coming together inside of your inside of your cities. I, I can't say communities. I won't say communities until we start putting businesses, owning homes building schools, uh, running our own schools, keeping our own banks, having our own shops and stores, then we'll have a community. When brothers and sisters are marrying each other, 
and we got representation in politics that look like us, then we can start using that word community. Until we get that, man, we don't have a community. We just live in neighborhoods. And sometimes they're just hoods because you don't even know your neighbors. So until those things change, I can't call it a community. But we sit up and we, we talk about these these things passionately. Brother O, you took in part in a bunch of them. Man, what do you think about the bills and how do you think it will help other people around the country being able to see us on uh, on film do this as well as hear us on the radio? Well, you know what? We live in an era and time right now where uh, face-to-face conversation is, is dying a slow death. And I think a lot of the rumors, a lot of the negative conversation uh, will dissipate with the Brothers Bill uh, being something that everybody can see. I'm very passionate about it. It was, it was your idea. You brought it up. I think it's awesome. So I think a lot of sisters, a lot of brothers themselves, a lot of people that, that work and do with black people on a daily basis have this opinion of it based off of the limited exposure of TV and Internet. And for mm. us to get up as black men and show who we are with our own words, I think would be something that will, will catch on. Um, I'm, I'm excited about doing it. I look forward to it. And I'm hoping that other brothers will be encouraged to get up and, and represent uh, themselves as black men, represent where they're from, and talk about the issues in, in, in their neighborhoods, uh, the issues in their jobs, and, you know, whatever they want to share that's going on that they want to fix. I, I think right now, not even from a propaganda standpoint, this is from a truth standpoint. We need to stand up as men and be counted. And it's just a conversation. But again, there's so much power in words. And he who controls the words can control knowledge. If you control knowledge and from that knowledge and maturity and time, growth and wisdom, you can change the world. Um, there might be a young brother somewhere that will hear the older brothers can really talk about what they're going through. They might learn something from what we got to say. It might be uh, a brother that has a great idea or a great plan that all of us can benefit from. And he could be in Chicago. It could be in New York. It could be in Atlanta. It could be in L.A. And he might see a brother's building and be inspired to share that. So I think I, I'm, I'm 100% for it. I think it's a great idea. I'm looking forward to not only hear what we share as, as a brotherhood here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or the Twin Cities, but what brothers across the country are, are seeing, because you know what? White supremacy is nothing else is extremely organized. Mm. And they talk across their boards, and they have their propaganda machine, and they're mm. well-equipped. It's about time we get our stuff together and get up with that. And, and let me say this, too. Uh, I, when I talked to the sister, we, we talked about a couple of things. At first, you know, I, I, I was straight up like, look, man, we what we do is going to be rough, rugged, and raw. And it's still going to be rough, rugged, and raw. But what we're not going to do, <clears throat> we're not going to spend time uh, using our, using it to just talk about the issues. We're going to talk about solutions. And the great thing is it's going to be interactive. So while you're watching, you'll be able to chime in. Us in, um, you know, chat and things of that nature and ask questions, and we'll be able to respond to those questions. We'll also have a website where it'll be archived videos, not only of ours, but if the other brothers around the country take the challenge, we're going to put this build challenge up 
and we're gonna I'm gonna be watching other brothers' builds as well. I don't care who it is, what it is. What we wanted to do is we want to make sure that brothers are talking about the issues and the solutions. Now, some people are going to say, why don't we have sisters? Here's the deal. We're going to have some uh, in the future where we are mixed up, uh, mixing up the sisters. But right now in our community, and Brother Ty, I'll let you, uh, you can respond to this. It's kind of hard right now as a black man speaking up for sisters. Sometimes <clears throat> it, it almost seems like every time we speak up on our behalf, we're getting um, we're, we're getting hit with this sexist uh, tone, as if we no longer have a license to speak up for our sisters. What do you think about that, brother Ty? You know, that's I see it all the time. Um, I remember back in the the nineties. I'm pretty sure you remember too. Remember not, around ninety two, they start doing these commercials about. Um, Ladies, you can raise the kid on your own. You don't need him. Remember those commercials? This right. was before the Wrap It Up commercials. This was way back. This was like before the Truce Picnic that Tupac did and before that. You know, that was right. also the same year that the child support system got nationally instituted. I mean, it was always around before that, but it hadn't been nationally instituted, you know, in terms of this nation yet until like 92. So right, right around that time, right around that liberal movement, you know, you start to see that happen. And a lot of hatred. There was a lot of hate for black men at the time. But I feel like there were a lot of brothers during that early era that actually turned their back on black women at that time. And they did it repeatedly. I mean, having these babies and then just not there because having a baby was seen as such a horrible thing. Oh, my future's ruined. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, that. And then they just left. And so that bitterness ensued. And the women right. started to learn that they can't depend on you. And that turned into something completely different. Then it became, you know, well, I don't need you. And, you know, uh, you know, you start to see a lot of women and women relationships pop up out everywhere after you've known a woman's been with men her whole life. And <laughs> it just it was an endless cycle. It's just an right. endless cycle. And, and you know what? And, and here's the thing. I want sisters like uh, Sister Lanisha uh, Grigsby, I want her to be able to have what other sisters come on the show and build. Sisters always, Lanisha is a constant supporter of the show. We respect the sister's mind, not just because she supports the show, but she's out fighting for her son who's a special needs kid. She's out in the community fighting for her kid. She also did a radio show. So I want sisters who are not getting the accolades, because this is what happens in our community. We get a few of us who get celebrity. They fall in love with the celebrity, and what happens is they almost become a blunt instrument to everybody else. They start pounding and start trying to be the absolute voice. What we're doing with this Brothers Bill is that we are really tailoring the Brothers Bill for the common man and woman. And we want, we feel like we're everyday brothers. Uh, we just, you know, we we do some research. We know a lot about our people. But we want to make sure that folks feel comfortable talking about these issues in their community and know that there's people out there who are like-minded who want these things to change. Um, we're not trying to do this because we're trying to, um, we're trying uh, to sell you a product or anything else. 
this is definitely um, a place from uh, building one another up. So I definitely want folks to to, to pay attention. Um, I'll know more about the dates next week. So we'll we'll get our first show in April, and then we'll go from there. But I'm excited about it, and I just hope everybody supports this. If you got a, a group of brothers, you can get access uh, to even if it's just your uh, local uh, local uh, cable television channel. We want you to take part in this experience because we think it's important. Now, here's the deal. While I'm saying brothers build, let me make it clear. Some of us got white friends. That's great if that's what you have. But we want African-American brothers being a part of the build only. When, when, that's what we want. We want us building and talking amongst each other because we feel like it's important for us to show the youth that we can talk and communicate with one another before we sit down and talk to other people. A lot of stereotypes about us need to be busted. Brothers, More brothers in jail than college. That's not true. Black people are more violent than white folks. That's not true. The black male is pretty much the poster child for almost everything negative in this country. But those things are myths. And that's a large part of what this uh, Brothers Build is about. And um, so I'm just happy to announce that. Uh, Brother Rodney, if you're still listening, let me know. If you got your brothers and uh, out there inside of, uh, if you got your brothers out there inside of um, Vegas and they're down to do it, man, let's get this thing going. Uh, Sister Lanisha, we're definitely going to put something together for you and some other sisters to come on. Oh, oh, I didn't tell you guys this. We also have the capacity to do a town hall meeting. Yes. So we're gonna do, we're gonna do a town hall meeting as well. Via television, it's not going to be big, but we're going to do a town hall meeting. I know I've been talking about that for a while, but we have the capacity to have a studio audience, and we have a chance to actually do this thing and do it right. So, I'm excited about this, man. I'm amped. Uh, we got some shows already. Uh, me and brother Adrian uh, that we're going to outline, give pass out to the brothers to let everybody know. But this is going to be a real uh, impactful show. It's going to be Rat Radio Presents the Brothers Bill. Still part of um, uh, the Our Own Voices family, so that hasn't changed, won't change. We're going to keep it uh, together. We're going to keep it moving. Uh, Sister Lanisha said we've been talking about this stuff for a while. So glad that the Brothers Bill and Town Hall is in motion. Yes, it is. I'm happy as well. Hopefully after we do this town, this town hall, uh, on this show that we can actually have a live town hall, and that's something that I'm encouraging all brothers around the country to do as well. Get rid, step aside from these politicians and these black folks who just trying to shuck and jive and bootleg. It's time to get our people, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a community building, get our people inside and talk about the problems, because you know you got to do that first. Don't try to go mm-hmm. in talking about solutions without talking to our people about what they find, what their issues are. And then we focus on the solutions. Don't just talk about the solutions. Put that stuff in play. Get the people who got access to the capital, who got the business minds, 
who got the skills to get it done, get them all in one room, create this new reality for our people. Can y'all brothers dig that, or am I talking too much? No, I think it's totally possible. And Brother Rodney uh, just said that, uh, ready, brother, we have cameras, men, and they're ready. And that's great. So we know we got our Vegas uh, faction. I'll touch bases with Brother Irvin in Georgia, as well as uh, Brother uh, Rashad in Chicago. But I think that it's important. And you never know, maybe it'll be a sister's bill that's that's out of this as well that'll talk, uh, focus on some of the things that the sisters have uh, issues with. We won't be in competition with them. We won't be upset with them. We actually encourage that. Anytime that we're building as a people and we're doing it for the black family, I'm happy about it. I'm ecstatic about it. Um, you know what? I, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to touch on this comment because I got 15 minutes left. And, and I, 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 oh, what do you think? You're a comment fan. What do you think about what he said about us extending this hand, man? I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm a huge, 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 huge comment fan. I've been one. Uh, since his first release, Can I Buy a Dollar back in 91? Um, but I think one of the things that we got to understand is as people mature and grow, they change. Um, I, I I look at that, extending that olive branch of peace to others. Uh, I'd have felt much better if he said that we extend that olive branch of peace to each other. He said what he said. I'm pretty sure he stands by his words. Um until we can get along with ourselves, uh, we, if we could cross that huge hurdle, that would change a lot of things uh, with, within our neighborhoods, within our people. I don't have, I don't really feel one way or the other about common saying it. I'm just saying as far as I can see it, in my viewpoint, we need to extend that out of the of peace, uh, that understanding to ourselves first. Um Every time we extended a hand to people outside of, of, of our, our families, our, our people, that, that has been thrown back at us, in my opinion. Mm. Um, <clears throat> until this nation inside of a nation can stand upon its own and be sovereign and be counted as much as a nation can be in today's age, I'm not really worried too much about the outside. Never have been, never will be. It is what it is. We're here. But we need to be more concerned about each other. I think if we spent half the time um, focusing on us and what we need. Because I, I always laugh that something that white supremacy would allow white people to say uh, unashamedly is when they make a mistake, how it's our fault that we influence. Like like the white fraternity saying, you know, the, the, the news saying that well, rap music caused the issue. But when the onus is on them, they, they find every excuse under the sun to blame somebody else. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Rashad, Monty, Lynn. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan. Bought, bought every album, even Universal Mind Control. Uh, until we extend that, that, that olive branch of peace to ourselves, I'm not too concerned with that. We need to fix our own at home first before we go anywhere else. Uh, that's pretty much my take on it. How about you, Brother Todd? What do you think about it? Um, I, I I believe in that. For me, when I look at everything that's going on with our people and all the falling away, it's like this. If you have a child, 
and their child was born. Y'all both live in the same place in the ghetto. Y'all both going through the same situation, obviously because the child is living with you. And he's not eating good, but other people are eating good. And he grows up or she grows up knowing that there are people out there that are eating a whole lot better than them. And you can't answer the question, why can't I? How can I get this? You know, you know, you can't put them in a better position in life. They're not going to listen to you. What they are going to do is they're going to look to symbols of people in their community or in communities like theirs that are supposedly or allegedly eating good, that are getting the love and attention, supposedly, that they think is valuable. Your thoughts and your thugs and your, you know, a lot of your big name musicians. Now, it's interesting with the thing about Common is these, the, a lot of these musicians, you have to understand that they have a brand. And with the game, with musicians in the game right now, the real money is actually in associative branding with products. Because as soon as music became digital and you could download it, it made it possible for anybody to make music and, and replicate your sound. You got white kids now sounding like black artists. Nobody's making real music. So nobody is being loyal to DJs at the club anymore either. It used to be black artists came back home. <laughs> and and played at the clubs for free or play whatever. Now right. your biggest hip hop or any other genre are white people, and they have the money. And now, you know what? If you want to make money, to Dave, right? According to Davey D from DaveyD.com, <clears throat> he did an article back in two thousand and two, brother. He said that that mm-hmm. was a rumor that was said at a convention. And actually, it was Latinos who are the largest consumer of hip-hop. Whites are third behind Latinos, blacks, and then whites. Oh, yeah. Back in the 90s when they had the physical, like when you were selling, and that's a good point. When they had stuff on CD and cassette, you could charge right. more for music because you had to manufacture. But look at this. In order for a rapper to really make some serious cash, He's right. got to align his brand with headphones, a clothing line, and all of that stuff. Right. Right. And for the white folks, they're not caring about you getting the gene market or getting whatever because they have the materials. They've they've escalated up the chain to having raw materials. Right. So as they an artist, you got to sell something else. Right. 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 So as an artist, you got to sell a whole lot of product for them. In order, and said so that's why Dre gave that money to UCLA because that's Silicon Valley. He was trying to negotiate that deal with Apple to get the price that he wanted, right. not trying to go to HBCU and black community. Mm. <laughs> no, that's real. That, that's real. You know, and that's you know what I, I tell you, I, and I said this earlier, and my you know when I opened up the show. That our main, our, our biggest issue as a people is, and, and, and you know, when Whitlock said that we're, you know, people celebrating Malcolm and his rhetoric versus um, Dr. King, Malcolm said in the Ballad of the Bullet that the dollar was going to be an issue, the chasing of the dollar. And he saw mm-hmm. that a long time ago. And Dr. King saw it too. I don't believe that either one of those brothers had empty rhetoric. With that being said, let me invite a sister into the show because she's been waiting long enough. Uh, sister Lanisha, we got seven minutes left, and I know you got something heavy to say. What's going on, sister? <laughs> no pressure, right? 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm making dinner. I've been listening, but uh, excited. Like I don't, I was just so happy to hear about the brothers' bill. And I just had a conversation with my friend. Actually, uh, we were talking about the Dr. Umar school, and um, you know, she not that she had a problem with it. She's like, I wonder what is his reasoning behind starting with black boys, like, and you know, saying that she's seen this question come up in other places. And I'm like, well, for one, you know, that he's an educator. And if you look in the educational realm, if you're black, you're male, and you're on an IEP, it's tight. You know? Right. So that's why. And if you want it done for girls, then make it happen. You know, like people are always judging what someone else is doing or why do they focus on this thing or that thing. And it's like at least you're doing something. Who's going to, if you have a problem with it because it's for brothers and not sisters, then start the sisters. Like, nobody's stopping you from doing that thing. Or connect, right. network, and get it going. <clears throat> right. So, I don't have a problem with it, and no woman with any sense should have uh, take offense either. So, I'm totally excited and thrilled that it's it's up and going, so. I just had to well, you know what? It's crazy because it's a sister who actually is is doing this. Um, she'll be shooting the show and producing it. So uh, I want to definitely get a, a shout out to Bianca Rose for giving us the opportunity as a collective of brothers to do it. But you know how it is with us as a people. It's always these little slight criticisms, in my opinion, that's meant to derail what we're doing versus really truly questioning. Because he asked, "Why is Brother Uma uh, selecting boys?" Well, look at look at the situation our boys are in. Look at the schools where our boys are in. I always I always laugh when I hear women complain about young black men um, or black men in general um, being in you know liking white women or loving white women. And I say, man, if you sit in the school long enough and you got a teacher that's always uh, let, let, let let's be honest, all white women in these schools is not like they all fat and out of shape. So when you're a young boy and you got these hormones that's that's raging, and you see this thin teacher for the society standards, she's fit. A society standards of beauty, because these kids watch as much television as anybody. She's it, and see you're seeing her as much as you're seeing your mother. Somebody say, well, hey, seeing a loving mother at home and father, that should do it. Oh, because you got this loving teacher at school too. And for one minute, don't believe that this teacher, I've seen teachers say, and I'm not saying that they're lying, that they love these kids. And I believe these teachers right. do love the kids, white teachers, right? They spend enough time mm-hmm. with them. They, they, they can love them as well. But at the same time, psychologically, that doesn't do that doesn't bode well for us as a people. Because then it translates to my teacher and Becky down the road. No longer do you feel good about, uh, sister uh, Tasha anymore You don't want Tasha no more So right. that's where that comes from So if he says he wants to do All boys school He wants to deal with the boys first One because he's a man And mm-hmm. B he's trying to secure the community Or our people I, I gotta stop saying community He's trying to secure our folks And then You, you branch out With the young ladies And let's be real we all know from Eddie Long to all these other pastors who are uh, molesting these young brothers 
in our community. Oh, see, I almost said it again. Somebody got to stop me. Uh, <laughs> uh, with our people, we are quick to turn over our boys. We let our boys go play AAU basketball and travel with people that parents don't know. How do you think Sandusky got access to boys? Uh, parents are less protecting with their boys than they are their daughters. So what school he wants to do, sister, next time you had a conversation, is a boarding school. He expects mm-hmm. these young men to live on campus. Yep. Parents are a little bit more um, more uh, willing to do that. In a lot of cases, these parents can't control their sons at home or in the community. So that's that why they're willing to give that pass. Right. And he said, I mean, he's on his college tours, he was doing the same thing. And he, he actually addressed that in a recent video where he was saying, like, you know, right now on this college tours, I'm taking these boys because y'all not going to send your daughters with me and then say that they got pregnant on my college tour. Like, that's not happening. So I'm right. going to make sure that everything is lined up. I'm not doing this co-ed thing until I know for sure that I can have it set up the way that I want to. So I just think I don't, like, if you're doing something for my brother, you're doing it for me. Like so, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that you know thought process, and it's it's the same. I was saying, I use the example of, well, my grandmother passed of breast cancer, so right. if my focus is breast cancer, you know, another person can say, but my father passed of colon cancer. Like, why do breast cancer get all the shine? You know, because somebody is motivated by something that happened to them to to volunteer their time, you know. So whatever sparks something in you, make something happen. So we can't be criticizing right. each other. That's ridiculous. So I'm just excited. Had to, you know, normally I don't like when I feel like there's going to be a lot of noise, you know, kids hungry, Makai trying to talk to me and stuff. So I don't always get to call in. Uh, but Oh, no, you know, that's phone. fine. And, you know, I, I, I've been off the air too long. i got 90 seconds left. I've been off the air for so long. And I promise you next week, even whatever happens with my father, I will still be back. I miss the air. Uh, I miss being able to reach out and talk to people. We got, you know, like a brother like uh, Brother Ty who, who called in from Georgia. I need to reach out to those people. I got folks in Vegas who've been asking where we're at. I know Sister Umi down in St. Louis. She loves listening to the show. We got you. We got Brother O. We got other brothers and sisters who like hearing the show. So I'll make sure I do that. But when we do this build, man, I am so happy uh, that we're going to get this thing going on. Uh, next week, I really want to focus on some different stuff. I don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, but I want to make sure that we keep our conversations as uh, much on offense as possible. I hate really basing it off the headlines because I feel like a lot of times these things are what's hurting us. Like what Brother Ty said, I need to do some investigating on that legislation in Georgia. Maybe we'll do a show on that, how they're trying to pencil whip us. And once again, if you play spades, you know what that means, how they're trying to pencil whip us and with this government and how voting really isn't helping. And how come we're not questioning these damn voting machines as much as we should with that, that's Rad Radio for the week. I want to thank uh, Brother Todd, Brother O, and Sister Lanisha. I appreciate y'all. I also want to say happy birthday to my cousin Daniel Harris, who uh, has been on uh, the show. He's a gospel rapper. Um, he's he's a great uh, guy, man. I love him as a, uh, you know. He's my family. I love him. Uh, the brother is doing what he feels is righteous from his heart, 
and he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And uh, Cousin Daniel, I just want to uh, tell you happy birthday. I love you, man, and uh, keep going with your music. Chase your dreams. We become bitter once we stop chasing our dreams, so don't stop until you get it. With that, that's Rad Radio for this week. You notice I haven't said St. Patrick's Day. Hmm. Y'all take it easy. Peace.